Welcome to the Courage Coaching and Counseling Podcast with Savon Penn, licensed professional counselor here in Portland, Oregon. Wherever you're at in life, this podcast will inspire and encourage you to be more brave in life and take the next best step between where you are and where you want to be. Hello, folks. Welcome back to the podcast. It's been a while. Uh, it's the end of Mental Health Awareness Month. I hope you've had a good month. My wife and I, we just celebrated our 29th anniversary and we watched uh, The Little Mermaid, the live action um, version of it. It was really good. We really enjoyed it. And uh, my guest this week has a connection with Disney, uh, Terry Weaver. Terry Weaver is an ideapreneur who is passionate about seeing creative entrepreneurs live life alive. As a speaker and author, he has helped thousands of individuals harness their dreams and make them a reality by giving them clarity around who, why, and how they serve to allow them the freedom to build the impact and income they desire. With a background in music, uh, in the music business, he's led creatives through their professional journey from the Grammys to six-figure launches, and his mission is to help leaders take what they are doing to the next level and see his clients thrive in the purpose they were put on this earth to do. He's a highly sought-after speaker, and he hosts the premier event for creatives, entrepreneurs, and leaders called The Thing in Orlando, Florida. And... Uh, the end of this week, uh, he's doing it in Nashville, uh, Tennessee as well. His book and podcast, Making Elephants Fly, has quickly become the go-to resource for anyone trying to move big ideas forward. He is the host of the co-host of the WDW uh, podcast on Walt Disney World. Um, and uh, it's, so it's pretty clear that Terry believes that the impossible is actually possible. And you'll hear that. Uh, in this interview. He lives outside Nashville, Tennessee, along with his wife, Leslie, and their miniature schnauzers, Walt and Oswald. I really was uh, inspired and encouraged by this episode. Uh, Terry's doing so many of the things that I'm just starting out uh, doing and wanting to learn and, and get better at. And it's just a fun uh, guy, uh, authentic and real. And we talk about that. Uh, we talk about how dreams can take time. We talk about broken dreams and how dreams evolve over time, change over time. We talk about ADHD. And uh, we, we also talk about uh, Christian Christians and uh, business in the marketplace, uh, entrepreneurs, and uh, the, the, the tensions and, and the connections be, between ministry and um and business and the things that he's doing uh and some food for the thought and i really appreciate his perspective uh on some of the things that he shares in that arena i hope you enjoy this uh, interview like i did all right terry thanks for coming on the show well man thank you for having me yeah it worked out yeah, I, I I know you've got a, a a big conference coming up in Nashville. I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks. Uh, so I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. 
Man, you and I were just talking, you know, like it's, you know, I think, unfortunately, our American culture has led us to busy being kind of a way of life. Mm. And, you know, I, I like to kind of, I tend to work best in sprints. And so like, you, you know, we were talking about travel and, you know, I, I try to, most of the time we, you know, we don't, my wife and I, we've, we've, you know, you were just talking about becoming an empty nester. We've never been full nesters. We have two dogs. So, um, you know, we, we kind of, that allows us to live kind of a different life. Hmm. And it's kind of made sense because my background, you know, I, I grew up, um, in a broken home and kind of through that being part of my story of the brokenness as I kind of had a decision and it, and it, and as I got older, I kept getting more broke. Hmm. Um, you know, definitely had kind of a father that was not there. Um, in fact, I just learned that my father, my, my, my earthly father passed away. Um, and didn't know, you know, I had not talked to him in years. Wow. Um, which is a huge part of my story. Hmm. And, um, you know, luckily early on as you know, my, my parents got divorced, like literally that, that was back in like when parenting plans really weren't a thing like they are now with divorces. And now, you know, you're really, you, you know, the, the court really required kids to get counseling. And, hmm. um, you know, I had counseling right away, mainly just cause I was rebelling in school. And so luckily I, you know, I was deep into that. And that was a season where, you know, we got really plugged into a local church and, um, I was able to kind of, you know, deal with that, deal with that, that, that kind of all of the holes and gaps that left in my life. And there was luckily some men that rose up in that season. Mm. Um, and so, you know, a lot of people ask, you know, Hey, have you mourned the loss of your dad? And I'm like, well, man, he, he's, he, he died a long time ago to me. He is, was absent. Um, mm. and so a lot of people, you know, I share this story in my book, making elephants fly. And a lot of people, in fact, my aunt called me and she's like, I haven't read your book. And I'm like, I kind of didn't send it to you because I don't think you want to read it. Um, and cause it's got, you know, it's got a lot of my story in it. Cause I think that's what sometimes, sometimes the book is just as therapeutic for the author as it is for the reader. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, so that's definitely, that definitely shaped who I was and, um, it gave me a passion for kids from broken homes. So I became a youth pastor, started traveling the country and then kind of realized that the, the North American church really didn't put, you know, kind of kids that weren't part of their country club. as a priority. Mm. So I began to speak in public school assemblies and, uh, that, that really changed my life and going into a lot of inner city schools. And we did, you know, we did them very non-traditionally. We kind of, we kind of threw a party. I brought a, a DJ and a hip hop artist and a rock band. Um, and we talked about people who had changed people who made history and people who were going to create, create the future. Mm. And, um, you know, I always shared kind of part of my story of, of, you know, coming from a broken home and, you know, how that was kind of part of it. And, you know, I would always tell the story of, you know, my, my, my mom was married and divorced four times by the time I was 18. And that was always the moment where the seventh graders in the third row were like, dude, I don't know about this chunky Caucasian on stage. I don't know if he has any. And there would always be kind of a chorus of just seventh and eighth graders going, damn, you know, like you could just hear them go, yeah. wow, you're yeah. more jacked up than we are, dude. And like, then you can literally see them leaning in because they found 
you know, themselves in my story. And I think that's one of the most powerful things about our story that many of us are afraid to to share. It's other people find themselves in our story. They find themselves in our heart. Mm-hmm. When I did share my story online that, hey, I, you know, <laughs> hey, I'm just sharing with you that my, my, my father passed away eight weeks ago and I just found out about it. Um, and, you know, there were some people who just didn't understand it. But for the most part, there were people who were like, wow, man, I have that similar story and nobody got it either. And, you know, I think, I think, I think our story is such a powerful tool that we have for others to find healing and hope. And, you know, we, we get a, we get a major decision in our life that we either get to let the things that happen to us happen to us or happen for us. And use it as a foundation that we can build. Obviously, you can't build yourself on brokenness, but that brokenness can be rebuilt, and it can be, it can be what allows us to have, um, you know, have conversations that other people, other people are able to listen because they know that when they're speaking with us, they know that we have, we have kind of stepped in what they're stepping in, if you will. Right. Right. That's that. That's that's so huge. So you've had the chance to. To, to really uh, encourage young people uh, in, in church settings, in public school settings. Can, can you uh, tell me a, a little bit, Terry, about making elephants fly? Fly, because I see a flying elephant uh, be, behind you. Yes, uh, Dumbo. Yeah, making <laughs> Elephants Fly is the name of my podcast, and it's also the, the name of, of, uh, of my book, Making Elephants Fly. And, um, you know, We've all heard, you know, I live in Nashville, Tennessee, kind of a, a very creative, innovative city where everyone kind of moves here with the big dream, uh, much like New York or LA or, you know, cities like that. Hmm. And people come here with like, you know, seeking opportunity and seeking open doors and seeking, you know, like-minded people. And, you know, Nashville is very much there. And everywhere I went, I kind of noticed, um, this elephant in the room that I'd go to like Starbucks and get a cup of coffee. And I just, I'm, I I've been traveling, you know, almost full time since I was 17. Mm. Um, speaking. Um, and so everywhere I went, man, I would, you know, you, you just learn to talk to people because I love to learn people's stories. Um, and so everywhere I'd go, I'd be like, you know, all right, man, tell me the real story. Like, I know you didn't move to Nashville to make, you know, ice macchiatos for people like what brought you to Nashville? It's always, I was a songwriter and I just begin to kind of have this vision of like, man, the elephant in the room in every place I go in this city is somebody that has a big dream that it's not, you know, that they're not doing anything about. So literally the, one of the first chapters of the book is called elephants make bad pets. And I saw, you know, I saw kind of this picture in my head. It's it's, I had one of my friends draw it of, of an elephant trying to sit on your lap while you watch TV. You know, we've all had lap dogs that were a little oversized. Um, And so obviously, um, if you can't tell if you're watching this on video, but you're probably just listening to the audio of this podcast, you know, I'm a huge Walt Disney fan and that's the dumb, the Dumbo's that you see in the background. And, and I thought, man, you know, Walt Disney was somebody that had this audacious belief in something that if he believed that an elephant could fly in a movie, that there was some way to make him fly in a theme park. 
and you know Walt Disney realized that the way that happened was through collaboration through through partnering with other people who were smarter than you were to achieve a goal a task that was bigger than you were mm-hmm. and um so that's really the big idea it kind of started with a conversation from another kind of someone who was kind of doing similar work to that I am and we talked about you know that uh you know there's a there's a there's a famous quote from Walt Disney um that if you can dream it, you can do it. Which really isn't what Walt Disney said. He said, if you can visualize it, if you can dream it, there is some way to do it. Meaning that there's a way to do it if you're willing to put in the work. Mm-hmm. And that's how it is for a lot of us with our big visions, you know, that if we have the audacity to believe, um, I just watched the, um, the movie with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck air. Oh yeah. I just saw it last week. Yeah. There's a great quote in that movie um, from um, Chris Tucker, who uh, plays one of the executives at, uh, at Apple. And I'm pulling up the exact quote because if I'm going to use a quote, I I don't like to butcher it. Um, But he said that, um, what exactly did he say? He basically just said, you know, that you have to believe first, that you have to be the one that that believes before anybody else believes. Mm. And um and so, you know, there there's there's power in that. Yeah. See you you you've collected stories, you've you've connected with lots of people uh dreamers people who had big dreams that were maybe not taking action on them how uh well i have a few questions terry one or like what are like your big dreams lately uh but before that have you had any broken dreams and and like and how have you kind of like worked through those well that's a great question um you know dude i think I think that life is just a series of managing expectations and disappointments. And, you know, I've never met anybody that released a book that said, man, that went so much better than I thought it would have, you know, and, you know, we always have giant expectations that don't always, that don't always work out. And, um, You know, I think it's super important to to not let the things that don't happen and don't quite work out, realizing that, you know, no might just be not yet. Um, it might be, um, it might be different. And it might it might look different than you expected, or it might come later. Mm. And you know, a lot of the things that I've everything is going to take incredibly longer than you thought it would. Mm. And you know, I'm seeing results from seeds I planted six, eight, nine, twelve years ago. Relationships, opportunities. And we live in we live in, you know, a culture of speed. 
and a culture yeah. of where everybody kind of, you know, everybody's selling an ad, you know, for a coaching program or a, a course that's going to, you know, Hey man, if you do this in just six minutes, you know, your life will change. And that's just not, you know, that's not reality. Yeah. Whether it's a, a business or, or a book or, 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 or speaking, you have to hone your craft for, for, for years. Yeah. You, I mean, the 10,000 hours, I mean, my mom and I were talking about, you know, the 10,000 hours and she's like, man, you put in 10,000 hours talking to your stuffed animals as a kid. <laughs> Cause that's literally kind of how I learned to speak. Mm. I, I loved Billy Graham and I love Tony Robbins. Cause back in the eighties um, and nineties, Tony Robbins was on TV selling VHS and cassette tapes. It seemed like 24 hours a day <laughs> and Billy Graham, I felt like had a, a, a crusade every other weekend. Um, and oddly enough, the thing about his life that he regretted as the most was being gone as much mm. as he was. Um, mm. but yeah, man, I think the hours that you put in to, to do things, whether it's coaching or speaking or, and I don't know anybody that's great at anything that isn't always trying to get better. That yeah. isn't always trying to surround them with things and people and relationships and coaches and knowledge and books and always looking at going, I mean, my event in Nashville is a couple weeks away. So if someone's listening, this is probably too late for them to come unless they're an action taker or live close to Nashville. Good news. We do another event in November. Um, and so they can join us there at the thing Orlando, but I'm already looking at things that haven't even happened that I know are sort of like mistakes we made in this journey. And I'm evaluating like, what did we fix? What did we mess up along the way? You're constantly evaluating and improving. Yeah. Like we were looking at like, okay, well, this didn't quite work out like we thought it would. What, you know, one of, one of the things we did, we did an event during 2020 called the thing at home, which was supposed to be the weekend of our big event. We had the most registrations for a conference we've ever had. And obviously the pandemic came along and, you know, mm. crapped on our parade, if you will. And, mm. um, one of the, one of our, one of our people and a lot of people have said it along the way, but Aurora Gregory said, what does this make possible? And so, you know, what is, what is this not working out quite like we wanted it to make possible? What is it? What are we allowed to do? What are we not? What, what is it? What is, what doors does this experience open us up to? What can we, you know, and I think that stupid episode of, you know, friends where the, they pivoted the couch and we've heard that word so many times, but I think so much of success is on our ability to be flexible and our ability the thing that most entrepreneurs and most leaders have that aren't working at mega organizations or mega churches, they have the ability to be fast and quick. And, you know, you know, if you're, if you're working with a mega organization, you know, like Disney or Apple or a company like that, it's really hard to move fast, but most of us have the ability to make a quick decision we don't have to call 3000 people to have a meeting about it. We just do it. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think adapting and changing and shifting 
is constantly what where success is found. Yeah. The uh, 10, 20 years ago, Terry, what did you think you were going to be doing right now? Man, I, I thought I would be Greg Laurie. Ah, we just watched uh, uh, Jesus Revolution. I thought I would be Jared Greg Laurie. So ministry. I thought I would be was was, was the goal. Um, I was I I hoped I would have had a better hairline than he did. <laughs> um, that worked out. But yeah, I mean, <clears throat> um, man, life never, life very rarely takes you down the path that you thought you would have gone down. Um. It's not how it works. I, I grew up uh, dreaming and, and wanting to be a surgeon, being a doctor. Okay. And that, that was the dream. And and it, it was devastating when I um, didn't get into medical school, applied two, three times, uh, had, had to um, had to change plans. But even when I um, uh, went to grad school, became a, a counselor, I still, in the back of my mind, uh, it didn't give up on going back to medical school until I was like 40. <laughs> I finally let go of that. Um, and fully, wow. fully embraced like being a counselor now, but I, I, I want to be a, a, a speaker. I want, I, I want, I want to, to write and, and do podcasting better. So I have lot, you know, lots of dreams, uh, but like the, 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 the execution is, is, is challenging. Uh, when, when I love lots of different things, it's hard to focus. <laughs> Well, I, you know, dude, I'm ADD. And so like my mind, I've, I, I guess I was kind of the first generation where they started to try to treat that. Mm. You know, I was one of the Ritalin kids. And what I've learned is like, it's my secret sauce. It's my ability to bounce between many things and to be happy. I would be miserable, dude, if I just did one thing. Right. <laughs> I really would. I would I would probably be I would probably need to be medicated for depression. Um because I'd be operating outside of how God designed me. And I think a lot of us look at the things that the world and society and culture try to make try to make a shortcoming when they're really not, they're really our superpowers. And my ability to think and do and um, experience differently. And, you know, you know, and a lot of people was like, ah, oh, it's bad business and you can't, you know, the human mind can't, you know, I'm kind of like Han Solo, man. Don't never tell me the odds. Um, that's just the reality for somebody else, but I don't think that's the reality for me. I love that. Yeah. You, you, you've, you haven't let people limit you. Um, just find a way to make it work. I've never you. been good at staying inside a box. Hmm. Um, and if that was the case, I would have li listened to my second grade teacher who told me I would never, I'd never be able to succeed. And my, um, my math teacher in seventh grade had told me I was a big disappointment. Mm. Um, so, 
yeah, man, I think it's, I think it's really, really, I think it's really interesting that when I look at the people around me who I'm going, man, they are just killing it. All of them, all of them have leveraged their uniqueness and what somebody would have probably called it a weakness. And they figured out a way to make it a strength. And yeah. Oh, those are some of my favorite stories. That, that that's one of my favorite things to see. <laughs> yeah. In, in now life. most of us most of us aren't gonna see those things because we don't know what we're looking at because we're only looking at the highlight reels of their life. Mm. You know, and you know literally there's a product called reels on Instagram, right? Like we're just <laughs> seeing one minute of out of someone's you know, we lose a lot of context when we don't when we don't understand mm. all of the all of the rough edges that have been edited out. And there's the, a story behind that. I mean, yeah. man, even Zoom. Mm. You know, Zoom is making you and I look better than we actually do. <laughs> a lot of people love using Zoom, and I'm like, I hate Zoom because it never seems to work. And about half the time, I use it after an hour, like the audio just stops working. And so, warning: um, if it happens, I'll. I I know the system and I'll be back in three minutes. Um, but yeah, it's it's you 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 can either you can either let those things be. You know, you it, it's throughout history, it's throughout scripture. I mean, Michael Jordan. I mean, you know what that movie did for me was an interesting perspective shift because Nike was Nike was the smallest of the shoe companies. They had 17% product share. Right. That was that was a cool statistic that they showed yeah. early. Yeah. Michael Jordan got drafted third. Right. Well, here in Portland, that's a sore subject. Because we, we you know, we 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 drafted Sam Sam Bowie. Uh, Who? Sam, <laughs> Sam Sam Bowie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> I had to Google him because I wrote a blog post about it last night. Oh, and I was like, Who the yes. heck is Sam Bowie? That's right. Yeah. 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 And the Trailblazers, dude, back in the day were a were a contender. Oh, for sure. But, but their last championship was seventy two. <laughs> that'd have been a different team like if Mike was in the in now. the building. Yes. Yes. But what made Michael Michael Jordan work in the end was the power of team. Was him and Steve Kerr and um Pippen. Pippen and Rodman, mm-hmm. um, Horace Grant. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it was all just, the guys. Yeah, he <clears throat> he brought greatness out of everybody in the building. And, couldn't do it by himself, huh? He couldn't do it by himself, even no. Michael Jordan. Yeah, no. <laughs> and I think we're starting to learn basketball is you know professional basketball used to be one of my favorite sports to watch, but I hardly watch it anymore mm. because it's mostly guys just trying to get highlight reels. You know, very rarely do we talk about a team. We talk about Steph Curry or LeBron. And, you know, if one more person says LeBron is the greatest of all time, <laughs> right? Like Michael Jordan is the greatest uh, basketball this, player. This, this is a painful subject for me, uh, Terry. They, they, they just got, uh, uh, Two two fourth quarter comebacks from the Nuggets uh, have 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 put my Lakers uh, on the ropes and uh, yeah and they're not they're not they're not 
<laughs> who knows? I, yeah. Who knows? But We're watching, right. You know, game three has just happened. It's not looking good for the Lakers. It's not looking good. Um, you know, and I think that's, <clears throat> you know, Kobe. Kobe was somebody who brought greatness out of out of everyone in the room. LeBron is the kind of leader that doesn't bring greatness out of other people. Hmm. He's great. And I think that's the one thing that's keeping him from truly being the greatest of all time. Hmm. And I think that there's, there was something in those days where everybody kind of laid down a little bit of their own glory for the good of the team. You know, that John Wooden wouldn't quote that, you know, we can accomplish great things if we're just no one, no one wants to get the credit. And, you know, the Bulls were the only team that hoisted the trophy. It wasn't just one person. Um, there was sure a lot of attention on the guy that was flying through the air. But it was all about what the team could have accomplished. And I think, and I think that's one of the things that holds a lot of leaders back is the ability to have a team and to build the team and to surround yourself with people that are intimidating. Um, because I think a lot of times when you're great and really skilled at something, there's a, there's a temptation to not to not surround yourself with excellence, but surround yourself in a way that you stand out. Well, we um, that that's uh, unhealthy um, uh, in business, but also in church cultures. Um, oh yeah how how did you make the shift, Terry, from that that goal of of ministry of of being a a, a speaker or evangelist um in in the in church context to it to more in Texas and normally we can you know a lot of things in life um a lot of things in life you can kind of look at an evolution um but things shifted for me in Lufkin Texas. I had just done school assemblies for a week. I had spoken in a sold-out arena, pretty much. As big as an arena they have in Lufkin, Texas. <laughs> and we gave the invitation that night. Um, about Almost 600 kids came forward. Amazing. It was, it was those early days of like, you know, we did schools and then we did like an evangelistic rally. And it was those days of what felt like, you know, what, what I watched Billy Graham do on TV. Like, I felt like I was getting to do that. Mm -hmm. But I had the hard reality of, like, looking back at that, at those two days. There was a two-day gap in between that event and me going to Waco, Texas. And in, the, in those days, I realized that those guys in that city had very little plan to follow up with any of those people. Mm -hmm. You know, we're hearing amazing stories of these people declaring this great faith and these big decisions and and I remember this one student, I remember, I can still see his face. Um, there were several of those students, there were several of those students I wrote about in my book. Um, but one of the students was a Muslim background, and he literally moved out of his house because of his faith, because his parents denied him. And, you know, he literally took up his cross and followed Jesus. Yeah. But almost alone. Because there wasn't a follow-up plan. And, you know... I began to think about the work that I was doing of, I was basically creating spiritual orphans 
And that hit me like a ton of bricks across the head because there was no plan mm -hmm. for doing what the Great Commission really called people to do, which was make disciples. So from that, I go to Waco, Texas. Stop at Whataburger because that's what you do when you're in Texas. You have a disappointing Texas burger. And that's not a third of as good as an In-N-Out burger. And thank goodness In-N-Out came to Texas to save them um, and re redeem their, their sad burgers. Hey, but the spicy ketchup, now that's great at Whataburger. I, I bring it and home I, when I can. <laughs> and I literally found myself preaching to the choir that weekend. It was a youth choir retreat. And the juxtaposition of that really just was a lot for me to sit with. And God began to move my heart and doors began to open for other things. <clears throat> and at the same time, we would have conversations with churches about continuing to do things to reach those kids that were far from God. And it just, they didn't care. They were country club. They were country club organizations. Some of the biggest churches in America told us no. Um, you know, we had the, we had the social proof that what we were doing was working, but they just weren't interested in filling their pews full of lost kids from the inner city. Um, and they weren't willing to put their money where their calling was. And that really just, I've always been somebody that I will stay and do something as long as I feel like I'm being of good and of use. And I began to feel like I wasn't of use. Also, during this season, I was also in the music industry as kind of a side hustle. I was managing artists, and all those most of those artists that I was traveling with, we were kind of helping direct their career, and we were, you know, they were, I rarely went anywhere where I didn't bring somebody with me, like a musician or a band or a comic or something, another element, right? Um, and so things just began to shift. You know, a few, a couple of years later, I helped somebody start, you know, an online membership site, realized I was really good at it, realized that the bands and the brands were really similar. Um, and then oddly enough, the whole thing kind of came to an end. I was inv invited to this thing in Wheaton, Wheaton, Illinois at the Billy Graham Center um, at Wheaton College. And that was kind of the last like intentional thing I did to serve the church from a professional that's not to say that i haven't preached at tons of churches since then but that was the last thing i really sought after and that was back in 2015 when when that happened did 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 you have a crisis of uh maybe not faith but like a crisis of identity because you had been doing that, that type of thing for so long since you were 17, at least. Yeah, dude, there was some of that. But also, like, you know, I think God's calling on my life was always to find people who were called and to help them get there. That was what I was really called to do. Mm. Ooh, you know? Say that again. Say that again. My, so the calling on my life was to find people who had God's calling on, on their life and to help them get there. Okay. Yeah. You know, that, that that's, I, 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 I love that. Cause that's, I get you, you just put into words, like one thing I love to do, like that's. Yeah. And I, and I don't I, think I've I, ever I said it like that. Yeah. 
Um, but I love, mm. I know this, man, life is short. And the sooner I can help people figure out why they're here, yes, the better. I remember reading The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. And if Rick Warren wrote nothing else except for the first sentence of that book, it would still be one of the greatest books ever written. Hmm. And the first sentence of that book is, this is not about you. And, you know, the word purpose gets thrown around so much. And, you know, Rick was one of the early people to do it. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think, I think my purpose just became clear because it's funny, you know, I have, you know, lead mastermind and coaching groups now and all the time people are, you know, people are like, you know, sending me, you know, the, the people who I know that are of faith, they're like, do these people know you're just pastoring them? Like you're just shepherding them. You're just guiding them. And, you know, I, I, I think, I think everything we do in life is for seasons. It's for, to prepare us for what's next. And if I'm being really honest, looking back on that season, I kind of hid behind my faith rather than letting it be what opened the doors to follow what God really wanted for my life. Mm. Explain that more. Hid, be hid behind your faith. And I, I've spoken a few like Christian con podcasters conference at Christian entrepreneurs conferences. This is me being real vulnerable, dude. Um, yeah, thank you. I always kind of leave those things wanting to kind of take just a cold shower and like bleach myself mm. because it just always, I always just leave feeling really, um, just disappointed because what's interesting about those rooms is they're normally full of people who have a big calling from a big God, but live small lives. Hmm. And, you know, it, it kind of goes back when you go, like you just mentioned watching Jesus revolution, which was a fantastic film. But oddly, when you start going, I can't imagine you feel differently than me. The most of the time when you sit down to watch a movie, that has the asterisk, this is a Christian movie, you're literally prepared for 90 minutes of the worst cinema of your life, right? Like, you're prepared for, like, this wouldn't even be on TBS, like, right? I and I, I am definitely, like, I'm Team Jesus Christian movie, so I, I, I like, gather myself, for sure. <laughs> you what? I gather myself that I'm going to, like, watch this because I'm, like, I'm going to be, like, yeah, I'm going to be like nice. <laughs> and I, you know, and I've been some groups, a group of friends and I, we made a movie called as dreamers do about the life of Walt Disney with, with some faith based taking some of Walt's faith and some of it mostly just really focusing on this audacious belief in himself and his, how he pulled himself up at the bootstraps when everybody else would have quit. Um, which is, you know, a theme of scripture and Man, most of the time when you leave, you just, you just, you're like the, you know, the first attribute you learn of in scripture of God is his creativity. But most of the time it's like, man, this is awful. And yeah. And I, 
man. I I think that most of the time in our faith cultures of faith, we've created environments where people have to show up small. They have to show up and hide parts of themselves. They're they're they lack they lack authenticity. And we've we've normalized that. We've normalized that you kind of, you know, you know, it it started in the forties and fifties and how people dressed when they went to church, you know, you put on your Sunday best. And if you look throughout scripture, Jesus never met anybody in their Sunday best. He met them at their worst. That's all the gospels are is Jesus people meeting, meeting, meeting people most of the time at the lowest point of their life. True. I mean, and we've created a culture where, where the church is a place where people are kind of expected to clean up before they get there. You know, I've mostly gotten fired from church jobs because I brought people to the ministry that we were doing that disrupted that. Troublemaker. And, you were a troublemaker. Huh? <laughs> you were a troublemaker. Well, you know. You're making things hard. <laughs> we were we were we were stating the Jones Memorial carpet. Mm. Um, mm. Please, when I die, don't name the carpet in the Baptist sanctuary the weave the we the weaver memorial carpet. Um but yeah, dude, I mean I think you know, and this is I, I love Jesus more in this season of my life than I ever have. But in communities of faith, I often find myself feeling um more alone than I've ever felt and more out of place because there, there's a lack of authenticity. There's a, um, almost like a foreign language being spoken. I spoke at a conference. It's funny because we're recording this during the national religious broadcasters. I spoke at a Christian podcasters conference and you know, you, it, it it's just these are weird environments that somehow where, you know, you go to the building and it's like, wow, there's a 10 foot tall, you know, poster of whoever the Christian celebrity of the time is, you know, it's a giant TD Jakes over there, you know, um, on a banner. And so it's just a weird, I wish I had the, I wish I had all the words to put around it to understand some of the feelings that I have in these places, but it just very much probably how Jesus felt when he turned over the tables and felt like, man, what, what happened to what, to what the instructions were for what was to happen here? Yeah. You're, what's actually happening. You're, you're talking more th than just feeling out of place or feeling like a misfit. Like you're, 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 you're talking about like things are not the way it should be. Yes. Yeah. And unfortunately, like I said, if I can't change the environment, I'm probably not going to be in it. Hmm. Hmm. And I feel like, you know, people, I get asked to consult at church Christian things from time to time. Hmm. And one of the questions I get asked is, what do you think the biggest 
the biggest face, the biggest problem facing the church, you know, the North American church in 20, whatever, you know, since 2023. And I still would go back to what I've been saying for the last 10 years is most of the talented people that I know that served in a local church are now working in, in the, in the marketplace and they're not serving the church from, uh, you know, the guy that was the youth pastor is now selling cars. Right. Um, and it's not because he loves Jesus any less. Right. It's just because the culture, the culture, the culture didn't want people who were going to disrupt the comfort. Hmm. So, pray, yeah, and it's pray, you know, pray for my son Terry. He, uh, he, he he pray for my son. He just moved last weekend to Southern Oregon to be a pastor in a small yeah. church. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's very difficult, man. To yeah. and I think of guys that are trying to to do ministry in places like that, where it's like, man, these are these are secular environments. You know, I think of we I've seen a lot of posts about the death of Tim Keller this week. And it's like, you know, pastoring a church in New York City is a different bag <laughs> than anywhere else in the world. Um and he did it authentically. And I think I think a lot of us of faith people as people of faith need to look in the mirror and say, What would happen if we just started showing up everywhere as authentically who we are? You know, I was I'm in a I'm in a group and somebody asked, Do you consider your business a faith forward business. And I was like, well, I don't know. I can't find anywhere in the Bible where Jesus came to save my business. Right. And so, but he <laughs> called me. So I'm going to go do that. Right. And I think we like bento boxes. We like our food, you know, mm. in boxes, compartments, in little spaces. Mm. You know, and I live this, in the this south. Goes, man. This goes there. This goes there. Yeah. 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 I live in the south, man. You go and get your, you put your mashed potatoes and your collards and your fried chicken, and then you put gravy all over everything. <laughs> you know, and I think that's how we're meant to live. Life is messy. You know, you can't partition parts of your life. And you know, and so, you know, as as a person of faith is. People ask all the time, is your conference a Christian conference? Well, no, but there's Christians at it. I have speakers that are pastors, ordained pastors, and I have ones that will have never will never sit in a church again, you know, that would never go to church again and probably believe things you disagree. Hmm. But I remember Mike Iaconelli, who was kind of one of my heroes back in the day, who was the founder of Youth Specialties. You know, Mike was always... Mike Mike was always kind of the patron saint of the youth pastor. Um, he had a talk one time about getting fired for the glory of God. And obviously, as someone who's been fired as a youth pastor, I, I enjoy that talk. You refer to that? <laughs> I refer to that. But yeah, you know, Mike, you know, Mike is has a great book called Messy Spirituality. I bought a case of them, but when the printer at, at a you know use at a, one of those discount bookstores, I was like, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give as many of these books as I can away. And um one of the first things we moved to Nashville in 2001 was we think well, you do weird things when you live in Nashville, an organization called compassion international. I was working with speaking on their behalf a lot at the time I was doing, and they invited us to a bunch of us to Michael W. Smith's barn. Um, and Mike Iaconelli led a retreat for us. And there was hundreds of us. Um, I just saw Rachel Lampa last week at Lauren Daigle's release party. And we were talking about, 
I was like, girl, you were 17 and you rode in the back of my truck. And she's like, I'm not 17 anymore. I'm like, yeah, I'm much older. So, um, <laughs> you know, you, but I remember the weekend with Mike and just how, how messy he was. And he was this, you know, kind of Northern California, um, kind of miss ragamuffin, if you will, you know, and I remember going to those youth specialties is probably one of the events that kind of shapes who I am now still and hanging out or those early days with like guys like Tony Campolo and, um, Brennan Manning and not knowing how cool Brennan Manning was at the time, but just getting to talk to him about spirituality and faith and, um, Rich Mullins and man, you know, I think, I think a lot of times we make things really complicated. Like Avril Lavigne reminds us, why do you have to make things so complicated? And, and sometimes the beauty is in the simplicity of it. And, you know, I long, I long for simpler things. I long for, you know, just authentic conversations. And I'll be honest, dude, as a person of faith, I feel like I'm making, having more impact than I've ever had back, even back to that moment. And, you know, those moments that I got to be a part of many of them where the band would pay a, Oh, how he loves and hundreds and hundreds of kids would respond to the gospel. I mean, those were powerful, you know, those will be moments that when I, when I, get to see Jesus face to face, we'll, we'll celebrate, but I don't think we'll celebrate any more than the life change of the, of, of Candace, who I coach, who, who works with um, girls who've been a victim of rape and abuse and helping her raise up and quit her job and, you know, get public funding for her nonprofit and open up a, a, a center to, to, to reach out to them and provide counseling and to provide, you know, literally some of their most, most basic needs when they go to the hospital, we create, we help create these kits that, um, where they get a, you know, a new, new clean clothes when they show up at the ER after being abused and literally a teddy bear, you know, and, 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 right. and, and leaders who are stepping into their calling and, you know, and I could go on and on and on about people I get to work with nowadays that that are doing life changing, you know, they're doing work that really matters and it's the work mm -hmm. they're called to do. Yeah. And I've helped them get there a little quicker. I Terry, I, I want to talk uh to ask you about one specific person. Um, and it's a little bit of a shift, but like okay. with with the time that we have left, I kind of maybe want to end with this because I want to learn from you. Um, you mentioned uh, be, before we hit record that your your wife and you you're together for 25 years this year. Um, I, I'm just curious about the lessons that you guys have learned uh, together through all the ups and downs. Like, what? How has she? How have you been good teammates? And and dude, she has supported me. Yeah, and encouraged me. In fact, one 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 of the people I'm working with right now is a single mother of five going through a divorce, you know, after, you know, some mental health things and some abuse things. And, you know, I, I, I can't even fathom the language of not having a supportive spouse. 
you know, even when things are, are we already look at things and know this isn't going to quite work out like we wanted it to. Right. She's already still encouraging me to keep going and, you know, and, and, you know, and that support has looked different over the years. Um, I mean, there's definitely have been seasons where it's literally been financial support because I had the crazy job and she had the one that got us health insurance. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. in fact, that's still the case. Um, her job. And that's probably one of the only reasons she still keeps her job. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which if, so, if our, if our government could figure something out, <laughs> that'd be real nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're comfortable, you're comfortable uh, on the stage in spotlight. Uh, 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 your, your wife's personality, is she more behind the scenes or, uh, yeah, I'm pushing her more and more out to be out front because I think she's brilliant. I think she's one of the best. No one knows how to lead a group. She leads a team of about 600 people. And it's one of the most brilliant people I know at developing leaders mm-hmm. at, you know, taking people that started with essentially a minimum wage job and turning them into leaders that have, you know, ambition and skills and have the ability to lead others that they didn't have before, including starting with just the very idea of leading themselves well. And so, you know, you know, if, if there's any lesson to learn is I need to do a better job of pushing and supporting her. It's, it's funny. She, 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 we start the thing, the conference that I do with a kid's book. And when, when Leslie and I were dating, you know, back in 1998, um, we would go to like Walmart and she'd read, she would we'd grab a book off the shelf and she'd read me the kid's book. Right. And that's always kind of been like a joke, right? Like, so, you know, now fast forward, we do a conference. We start every day with a kid's book because, you know, one of the reasons I have one of my events is at Walt Disney World is because biblical principle, hello, um, thinking like a child is often how we can find those things inside us that have been suppressed by society. And, you know, I think, I mean, you can look, you can look in my office and know that I don't have a problem with that. Um, but I think, I think it's just super important to, to find those gifts. And, you know, she, she is, she's going to be speaking at this next, next event. She's, she's fighting it a little bit, <laughs> but, um, because, and I think, and I think a lot of us do that. We, we allow ourselves to settle for being behind the scenes when we really do have something to say, when, yeah. if more people you know, I, I always tell, I always use this example. The dude, if you had the cure to cancer and you didn't tell anybody about it, you'd be a real jerk. And you may not have the cure to cancer, but you might have the cure to help save someone's marriage. You might have the secret for somebody that's a single mother that's struggling to make their ends meet that would help their business work. You might have the ability to help somebody know how to do something that they couldn't figure out on their own that's going to allow their family to thrive and their marriage not to fail because they're not going to burn out at a job they hate and love. Right. Yes. And, you know, I think we all have these unique gifts. And, you know, Hmm. it's funny, man, because you mentioned, you know, we talk about the full circle 
the number one question that 20 year old Terry Weaver got from kids was, man, how do I know God's will for my life? You know, and a lot of that, you know, is similar to the work of what, how do I know what I'm supposed to do here on this earth? Right. Just a different way of saying it. And, you know, some of that is, man, you've got to just start messing around with things that you, you enjoy doing and things that make you happy. And, you know, we, we have, we miss the things that are our best and, and most, the things that we bring the most to the table because, because we often have gotten so used to being told that, you know, you should be seen, not heard, or it's somebody else's time to shine. And, and I think, I think we've, and you see this, I see this work because I work with a lot of guys that were pastors or youth pastors um, and are kind of getting into more of a business role in their life. You know, they might've served as a worship pastor or a, creative pastor or the guy that, you know, was kind of the ops guy at church. And now they're kind of shifting back into the business world. And, you know, a lot of them weren't, did not serve leaders that allowed them to shine and allowed them and push them to, because that leader felt like the need to always be in the spotlight. And I think we've gotten the whole, you mentioned spotlight, dude. That's a thing we've really, we've really, we wrestle with because the Kardashians don't have a problem being known, but most of us like use, you know, these words, man, I just want to be humble. And man, if you look up the word humble in a dictionary, I don't want to be humble. I don't want to be second. I don't want to be of ill, of, of ill, of ill advice and of, and of not, not of worth. Because I believe I was created in God's image, so I am of worth. And I believe I was given a task, and I'm going to do it. And I'm, you know, I'm super grateful for Leslie and the support that she's provided to me. And, you know, one of the things that we've done, the pandemic was really hard on us because we're big, we're big experiences, not thing. So, like, this is the first year we're really getting kind of back into our, our travel swing. Um, because we do work really hard, I make sure I travel once a quarter and take one really long trip throughout the year. So our long trip this year will be in September. We're going to Paris, Disneyland for a couple of days and then a cruise to the British Isles to celebrate our 25th anniversary. Um, she's not been to London since she was a kid. I've never been. So, you know, we're 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 making it a priority. We're spending way more money than we probably should. But the experience of it is super valuable to us versus, you know, what will we, what will we buy that we would just get rid of and be a yard sale in a couple of months. And, you know, I'm, we're, we're obviously Disney fans. So we're at Walt Disney world or a couple of times a year for fun and once for work. And I mean, end up at Disneyland fooling around too. And, you know, these are places that, they kind of reset us and the beach does that. Right. And it's funny because, you know, one of our things we would do, we would go to a Caribbean country and then when it was freaking cold here in Nashville, and now we've started bringing our, my coaching clients with me and doing a mastermind. So it's like wow. the word, the, the, the work and fun kind of gets blurry 
And so because of that, I've got to be even more intentional about that travel and that time we spend together. Mm, and yeah. um, and did our stupid phones, man, make that real hard because we're so used to being connected and like, you know, there's always something going on or a notification or something that should have our attention. So being present is getting harder and harder and harder. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, um, my wife and I, we, we really haven't uh, tra- traveled much and, and we, we went on our first cruise for our 25th anniversary before the pandemic. And we're like, Oh man, we really need to travel more. And then everything shut down. But uh, uh, you've inspired me a few ways uh, today, Terry. One, just a reminder, like to 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 make time to travel. Um, but the the two, like not to play small. You know, for for t- maybe twenty five years, twenty twenty five years, I I told myself a limiting belief that that you know the reason I became a counselor is because I'm not a good uh, preacher. You know, I went to seminary. Uh, to for MDiv degree, and I said, ah, I'm I'm not much of a preacher, um, so I'm going to go the counseling route. But just just recently, I I, I realized like the, like I I need to let go of that limitation. I actually do like to teach, and I I do like to speak, and I want to be more creative and a better speaker. I want to give myself permission to to work on it and 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 eventually speak at conferences. Um, well, dude, the way to the way to fix that is just to, one of the things we do in the thing community. It's funny because we had a speaker this week, kind of have some a crisis hit, and rather than finding somebody else from outside the community, it's like, well, who, who in the community teaches this? They might not be there yet, but they need a kick in the rear. They'll never take the leap. Hmm. So, a good bit of at least half our speakers come from the back row. Hmm. Yeah, that's because. Awesome. And that's that's the that's a problem in the church, right? Like, we're not pushing people forward. Mm-hmm. We're pushing people into, you know, structural ladders. Where, you know, you know, we've if you look at the model of the church in most in most denominations right now, it's essentially McDonald's. You know, we franchise the church. We have campus pastors, and mm-hmm. the really good guys speak. And I get it, like. There's a there's some people that are you know like there are people in the church that are, you know the Furtics and the Craig Groeschels and the Dee Jakes and the Tim Kellers, you know they're the rare ones that it's like wow, but that doesn't mean that you don't have something to say, and that you couldn't impact somebody. And I wouldn't be where I was at today if it wasn't for people who gave me at bats when I shouldn't even been swinging a bat. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I would encourage you and everyone you know. To find somebody around them, you know, it's funny. Um, John Maxwell has been someone who I've always looked up to, mm-hmm. who's interestingly enough a person who mostly exists in the secular marketplace, but a person of faith. And you know, if you look at, if you look at Scripture, man, there's all the all, everything you need in, in the in how Jesus worked with people and the leadership. You know, Jesus had the twelve, he had the three, and he had the one. Um, oddly enough, the one was the one that doubted the most outside of Judas, you know, Peter was the one and, you know, he was the one full of the most doubt and the most questions and the most, I mean, he embarrassed 
himself in the final hours of Jesus's life, denying his even existence. And three times. And, you know, I think we have, we have underestimated just the value that, you know, giving people the opportunity to, to learn and grow and, you know, I, I've been using this a lot lately and I'm going to even be more and more into leaning into the rest of the year is I'm saying yes to almost anything right now, just because I feel like that's the season I need to be in. You know, I'm, I'm not look only doing podcasts based on, I'm not looking at their listenership. I don't, I don't care. Don't tell me any of that. Let's have a great conversation. And if it helps two people, I've won, you know, and, that's you and one other person, right? And so I, I'm I'm trying really hard to to return the gift that I was given. And that's been opportunity. And I think I think all of us ought to look at the work we do and go, man, who can we who can we put on this platform that we have, whether it's big or small, and begin to give someone a chance to believe that it might be possible for them too. Yeah. I'm writing a talk. Um that I've kind of done before, but I, it's really about kind of the, I'm a star Wars nerd and I, I caught something in this last Obi-Wan series and in the last, you know, Ray, there's this thing that Jedi do. They bury they, the, the, that in Obi-Wan buried, dug up his lightsaber out of the desert. Um, Ray at the end of the last, uh, the, what is it? The last, the last Skywalk, whatever the last star Wars, Episode nine, you know, she buried hers in, in, in Luke's lightsaber. Like, why why are these people burying their greatness? So I've been kind of on a, like, what can I glean out of the Star Wars universe to teach on? And the one the one thing that I'm kind of leaning on, and I'm, I'm, I'm tweaking into it, I'm in the depths of working this into a talk right now, uh, is out of that bury your greatness, is the moment when Yoda trained Luke Skywalker on Dagrabah where they're having this moment of like mentor and mentee back and forth and back and forth. And the, and the X wing is buried in the swamp Mm. and Yoda Luke gets so frustrated because he's like, man, Yoda, man, you just want impossible. Everything you're trying to get me to do can't be done. And Yoda, what I love about Yoda is he's like, you know, he's motivational speaker. Right. And so he's got, (laughs) he's got his like tweetable things that he says, do or do, you know, all of those things, right? There is no, you know, there is no do only try and all of those things. And in that moment, when Luke's like, you just want impossible, you know, there's this weird, awkward silence. And then you see Yoda standing there, you know, with his little, you know, weird hand um, and raising the X-Wing out of the swamp. Impossible showed up. And I think if there's anything that is the job of the leader, it's the job of someone in business who's doing sales. It's the job of the counselor. It's the, it's the job of everyone that has a mission and a purpose in their life. And that's to show other people what is possible. Not to tell them, but to show them. And that's what Yoda did in that moment. Of Didn't open his mouth. He just said, here, dude, watch this. And... Back to back full circle to Michael Jordan. That's why Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time, because he didn't run his mouth. He showed you 
You don't think I can fly? Watch me. And he didn't trash talk. Watch me. Um, and I think, I think as leaders, we need to help people discover a possibility and believe in themselves because I think belief is the greatest gift that you can give to anybody else is all of us are here today because at some point someone said, dude, did you know you could do that? And that moment was that belief that let gave us, or maybe in your case, <clears throat> there's a slight disbelief that somebody gave you that you're not a good communicator and that you shouldn't do that. <clears throat> so pack pack those things up and send them off to goodwill and 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 find people who will believe in you, believe with you. And the only thing I can't do is believe for you. I can believe in you, I can believe with you, but I can't believe for you. You've got to believe, dude. You right. have to step into your purpose and your thing that you were designed to do. And it, you might even be wrong in the very beginning that you're, that it's possible, but eventually, eventually, I mean, history has shown us from, from Abraham Lincoln to um, Colonel Sanders to Oprah success later in life. And, you know, most of us, when we think we're entering the, you know, the third and fourth quarter, we're really just getting started. That's right. There, there, there's a reason it's, it's taken the time that it's taken. So yeah, I'm, de I'm definitely and it's running preparing you and it's, yeah. And it's, you just need the audacity of belief, man. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I really appreciate uh, this time with you, Terry. It's been super inspiring and encouraging. And I, I hope uh, uh, Nashville uh, goes well yeah. uh, in the next couple of weeks. And I, I hope I can make it out to Orlando or, or Nashville sometime. Yeah, dude, Orlando coming up. The thing, go to the thing dot, uh, the thing Orlando.com um, get you there. In fact, I've got this great um, thing that we've just created and there's a course coming very, very soon. But if you go to discover your thing.com, it's a it's a great quiz that takes you through its ten questions to kind of figure out where you're at on your journey as a leader and an entrepreneur, and then we're gonna have where there's a course that I'm literally that I'm we're literally kind of finish putting the fu finishing touches up and we're gonna launch it here in a couple of weeks that'll take you through the process of you know really figuring out what like where what might be next for you and what where your gifts really are and how to really hone those um, and to really you know because that's what the thing is right everyone has a thing. And we just want to help you do it better, whatever that is. Nice. We'll 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 put the links uh, in, in the show notes uh, on YouTube and and on on Spotify, and uh, so uh, uh, definitely uh, for those of you watching and and listening, uh, check 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 it out. Um, thank you again, Terry. Any last thoughts before man, we wrap things up? Man, it was it was great to be here today. And uh, you can, you know, people can find me on my website, which is terryweaver.com. Um, I'd love for you to sign up for my newsletter, um, which I don't send very often, but I do keep people updated on when the next thing event's coming and when, when we're kind of creating content and when, when, when opportunities avail. And, um, you know, I don't like, I'm not one of those people that spams your inbox seven times in a week. 
Um, I've taken the courses that I'll say you're supposed to, and I'm just like, man, that's not who I am. I hate getting emails. I don't want to send very much of it. <laughs> appreciate but, that, yeah, man. I, I yes. think uh, I, I appreciate the time to kind of to kind of hang out with you and to speak to your audience about about uh, about what they do. And man, I you know I don't know if we covered anything. I don't I don't know if we covered anything that had to do with the uh, courage or, or coaching today. But I can tell you the bravest thing you can do as a leader is believe in yourself and believe that you're here with a purpose and you have a, you have a mission, you have a, you've been designed um, to do something special. And, and the sooner you can get to work on that, the better you're going to be and the better the world's going to be for it. Oh yeah. Well, I definitely feel coached up Terry and, and absolutely uh, uh, belief is, is the heart of courage. So thank you so much. And thank you.